time for Coffee with the Chicken Ladies, a podcast for people who love chickens. Hey, everybody, and welcome. It's Christine Holly from Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. We're here, and this is episode number 45 of our podcast, where we talk about everything chicken, family, fun, and more chickens. More chickens! We drink a ton of coffee. I'm talking a ton. But most importantly, we hug chickens every day. And kiss them too. Don't forget. We brew coffee from a little coffee house here in Bel Air, Maryland. Holly, what kind of coffee are we brewing today? You know that's pumpkin spice. Pumpkin spice. Yeah. (laughs) It's that season. Yeah. So we're sitting here drinking our pumpkin spice. It's delish. Yeah. It's the fall. How have you been doing? So I feel like baking because it's fall. It is I think I've mentioned that a couple of times before. I'm sort of a semi-professional baker. I do some baking on the side. I had a customer who ordered two apple pies. Well, she ordered a bunch of pies, but two of them were apple. You got to be bringing these apple pies on recording days. Oh, I can make us an apple pie. We need an apple pie. Well, what I was about to say was, you know, I've been trying to pick out the apple trees for my garden. You have to get the sweet. I know. And I'd never tried this apple before. It's called a Mutsu, M-U-T-S-U. Okay. It's a cross of a golden delicious and a sweet apple from Japan. Okay. These apples are good. They'll so be good. now I'm like, uh oh. Don't many- go get crab apples now. No, I'm not going to get crab apples now. They we don't- got enough crab apples at this house. No, I'm getting one cider apple and then the rest are baking and sweet apples. So. Okay, that's good. Anyway, so now there's a mutsu apple on my list. I don't <laughs> know if it's a mutsu. I know. I might be saying that wrong. Anyway, I'm making apple pies and it's lots of fun and they're great. So that's what's happening on my side. Apple pies are good. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. We are over here getting ready for Halloween. If you have kids, you know this well. Costumes. Costumes. Mm -hmm. It's all about costumes for Halloween. Is Sophia going to wear a costume? She usually does something that's very, like she's been in like Rose and she does like the garland that looks like Rose or she has a sunflower. Something sort of suggestive. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But Ella's still hardcore into costumes. Yeah, dressing up. So today I received a FaceTime call from Ella around noon. When she was at school? She's at school. But it was very important, obviously, because she FaceTimed you from school. It rang once. It hung up. It rang again. It hung up. And I'm like, what is going on? Something's going on. Like, I need to call her back and make sure everything's okay. Mm -hmm. So I FaceTime her back. I mean, she's like in the cafeteria with all of her friends around the phone. And what did she need? She wanted to know if all of her friends can come over for our Halloween block party we do every year. And I'm like, yes, but we can talk about this when you get home. Right. And of course, she has this grand idea what they're going to be for Halloween. It's a good idea. Okay. They're going to be all the kids from Stranger Things. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. That's good. So we are way behind the times. We just started watching this like a month and a half ago. I know, and I have to like force myself not to tell you things. <laughs> so we've been through the first two seasons, mm-hmm. and we're on season three. Okay. Because, you know, with Joe traveling and then with nighttime activities, yeah. we all want to watch it together. Right. So we're kind of going through it slowly, but I can only imagine what her friends are all going to dress up. I think that's going to be hilarious. It's going to be so fun. We know what Stranger Things is missing. What's that? Chickens. They need chickens. They need chickens. Although I'd be afraid, like, know, right. the shadow monster is going to come out and get all the chickens. Shadow monster might be a rooster. <laughs> I don't know. Let us know. Have you watched Stranger Things? We are loving it. Like I said, we're behind well, the we're times. We're way finished. So, yeah. I know, I know you love it. And then they said there's another season coming out, uh-huh. but not until next year. Uh, we have several shows that we're waiting for the next season of. It's, it's kind of frustrating. Somehow. The last season three, though, was recorded in 2019. Mm-hmm. Well, there's all that COVID delay in there, yeah, too. Yeah, that is. You know who does not make you wait for new episodes? Who's that? The Chicken Ladies. No, no, Every no. week we're dropping it. So, if we could just take a second to ask everybody a big favor. If you're listening to our show and loving it, you can go over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a written review. It does amazing things to help our show grow. It really does help us grow the podcast. We also have a Patreon page. Yes, Patreon.com slash Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. You can head there. Check out our levels of membership. Yeah. Welcome and thank you to our newest show patrons. Yes. And the other thing you can do to help support the podcast is buy products from our sponsors. Yay! We have some exciting news to share from our sponsor, Grubly Farms. From now until the end of October, you can receive 15% off if you're a first-time buyer. We have a special discount code for our listeners, Coffee15, for 15% off your first purchase. You can follow the link in our show notes. This offer does not apply to subscriptions and cannot combine with any other discounts. 
If you haven't heard, Grubbly Farms has a brand new layer of crumbles food packed with plant and insect protein, perfect for those picky chickens and ducks. Plus, they're the perfect size for bantams and all products ship free. It's a great time to try Grubbly Farms if you haven't yet. Use the code COFFEE15. Try it today. Hey, Chris. Yeah. Do you like subscription boxes? Does it have anything to do with chickens? Of course. Then, yeah. Let me just take a minute to tell everybody about the Chicken Love Box. If you love goodies for your chickens and you, you need to go to chickenlove.com. I love the Mega Box. Tons of useful products for my flock and a chicken tea for me. You cannot go wrong with these chicken teas. They are so soft and so cute. In the September box, I absolutely love the rooster socks and the can of grasshoppers. It's amazing. I really love the iron trivet. I'm going to use it for all my entertaining, and I've got to keep the girls away from those chick notes for sure. Yeah. Boxes start at $39 a month. They ship immediately after your order, and shipping is always free. To receive $5 off, use the code CWTCL at checkout. It's such a great deal. Don't wait. Get off the nest and click already. That's chickenlove.com. That's chickenluv.com. Get your subscription today. So now it's time for that breed spotlight. It's very restrained. Yeah. Well, we have a really, really neat chicken today. I like the name of the chicken. We are spotlighting the Marsh Daisy. The lovely Marsh Daisy is actually a very rare breed of chicken that was originally developed in Lancashire, which is a county in the UK that has significant coastal plains. Yes. So, you know, you're near water. Historical information on the Daisy was actually really thin. I had a hard time finding anything reliable. Honestly, the majority of the history that we gleaned for this breed spotlight was from the Marsh Daisy Breeders Group website. Right. So in the 1880s, there was a man named John Wright in Lancashire. And he began breeding white leghorn hens to black Hamburg cockerels. That's an interesting match up there. The offspring of that cross, he crossed further with Malay hens and English gamecocks. That's weird. It's kind of a strange matchup. What he produced were vigorous and healthy chickens that laid very well. But with the Malay in there, you're definitely going to get a vigorous chicken. You are. In 1913, a man named Charles Moore bought two of the last remaining hens that John Wright had bred. So he made this breed up by breeding these two chickens, mm-hmm. then breeding that chicken to another two chickens. Right. But he didn't keep it going, he basically. He kept it going for about 30 years. Then this man comes in and he's like, hey, clearance sale. Almost Maybe. <laughs> so he buys two of the last remaining hens. And then he added pit gamecock and another really disparate breed, the lovely Sicilian buttercup. What are these people thinking? I mean, these sorry. are pretty unusual crosses. But the result is a very attractive little chicken with a great big rose comb, white earlobes, and willow green legs. And the green legs probably come from the Sicilian buttercup. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes I don't know what these people are thinking. I don't There's know. There's so many breeds to mix in so many. Well, I mean, hobby breeders. And, and then, okay, here's my question. You mix in all these breeds. Uh-huh. And then you say, let's call it the Marsh Daisy. The name of the chicken, no one's really sure. Some people say it's because the big rose comb looks like a daisy. Other people say because there is a Marsh Daisy that blooms in that part of Lancashire. I don't know. It's a pretty name. So the original Marsh Daisy line was wheat and colored. Right. And if you look up the wheat and Marsh Daisies, they are pretty chicken. They are very pretty. But by the 1920s, when the breed first showed up at a chicken show, also a breed club had been formed and a breed standard was established. So by the 1920s, white, black, brown, and later the buff were all added. I'm looking up pictures of them now. Uh Uh-huh. Do they also have lacing? That's the brown. The brown has got partridge. partridge. Mm Mm-hmm. You know what? I think everything looks like a well summer. I, I was I knew you were gonna say that. But that's what they do. They look they remind me it's of It's the partridge. Remember, the well summer has like five different partridges in it. Yeah, so. that's what it takes me back yeah. to. So I think the Wheatons are lovely. I think the partridge are lovely. I like the rose comb. The cockerels are really gorgeous. Cockerels are handsome guys, they really are. So the Marsh Daisy followed the usual pattern, you know, our usual historic pattern on breeds. By the nineteen seventies, people were stepping in to try to preserve the breed. So according to the Rare Breed Survival Trust, right about now, there are less than 200 breeding hens in existence. For right now. For right now. That's crazy. Yeah. They are reputed to be hardy birds that really enjoy foraging. They are good layers. The eggs are on the small side. Anything that has a leghorn is going to be a good layer. The leghorn and the hamburger are both good layers. 
And that's the melee, sure. that's a larger chicken. It is, but I guess, I mean, the Sicilian buttercup is a small chicken. The the leghorn is small. The I don't know about the small. game birds. I don't know about the game birds either. I really have very little knowledge about them. I read the theory that daisies are not really favored by smallholders for egg production because the eggs are on the small side, even though they're decent layers. I have no idea if there's any truth to that. The modern breeders of the marsh daisy are working to increase egg size. They don't need to do anything about the frequency. They're already good layers. The small size, that's what's going to happen when you have a bunch of small chickens yeah. put in there. The only big chicken that I can see is the melee. Yeah, bigger I don't chicken. know anything about the pit gamecock or the English gamecock. Me game either. Cock. But the Sicilian buttercup and the other ones one. are little, mm -hmm. and they're going to lay small eggs. Right. The daisy can be used as a dual-purpose bird, and they are known as good winter layers, and they remain very popular show birds with the few people that breed them. Right. The hens rarely go broody. Surprise. Yeah. And both the hens and the cockerels have the reputation of being extremely gentle birds with other chickens and with people. You know what I'd say about this chicken? You could see them in your flock. I could definitely <laughs> see them in my flock. <laughs> it would be so hard to get your hands on one. They're rare. They're very rare. There is a Marsh Daisy Breeders group with a website and a Facebook group, and they have a lot of good information out there if you are interested in this very rare little chicken. There have been updates to the website in 2021. I right. checked. So they are still active, and they are quite devoted to this breed. Okay, so here's the thing. Can you only get this breed in the UK right now? So I saw various places from like 2015 to 2017 that referenced Greenfire Farm having them. Right. Check their website. No mention of them anymore. The Rare Breed Survival Trust, which is the like the UK equivalent of the Livestock Conservancy, exactly. they noted that the very low number of birds means that fertility has suffered over the years. Right. And breeders sometimes get hatch rates as low as 50%. That's horrible. So maybe that has something to do with that really scarce availability. Part of me is not surprised when you take so many chickens and game birds and everything else and then make one chicken. I don't know that that's that unusual back in the 1800s. No, though. that's not unusual then. But to keep it relevant and keep it going is kind of not the easiest thing. Right. There's no region anymore that really keeps yeah. it going. Everyone should look up pictures of this bird. They're, They're so beautiful. cute. And our UK listeners, if you're interested in the Marsh Daisy, I would check in with the Marsh Daisy Breeders Club because yeah, they're probably going to them there. They're going to be the fastest place to be able to tell you where to get your hands on these chickens. In the UK, it's on everyone over there to help save the Marsh Daisy because we can't get them here in the States. I'd be all over them. Just the fact that cockerels are supposed to be sweet as pie. The hens are sweet little birds. They get along well on a mixed flock. They get along well with humans. Mm -hmm. They're pretty little birds. I really love them. After Gertie and Partridge, that's like my bird now. Partridge is pretty. I've always liked yeah. Partridge. A lot of times, like the brown leghorn. It's not just well, plain brown. They yeah. have all that beautiful exactly. color in their feathers. Um, I agree with you. The Wheaton and the brown on the Marsh Daisy really stand out to me. I just think they're lovely little birds. Yeah. I don't mind a smaller egg. Really, I don't mind anything about this chicken. Okay, so the lavender Orpingtons that I have, they lay little eggs. Right. They have never changed. Like I thought in the beginning they were pullet eggs. Mm -hmm. Some chickens are just going to lay smaller eggs. Yeah, it's true. And then you're going to have like Spicy this year. She just started laying eggs and they're huge eggs. They really are big eggs. And she's a baby. And if you use a scale, the small eggs are still at least a medium size. Yes. I mean, they're not as small as a bantam egg. No, a bantam egg. <laughs> bantam eggs are tiny. They're but adorable. It's a really cute chicken and really bothers me. It makes me so sad when there's this little chicken out there and there's only 200 breeding hens left. Yeah. It's sad. It, it really is sad. In the U.S., there's a bantam breed that I was interested in, the pinchin, that is so scarce. Yeah. It's, it's just not good. And I sort of felt the same way about the daisy. Yeah. It's kind of on those same lines as the pinchin, for sure. It is. So, like I said before, if you're in the U.K. and you looked up this little chicken and like it, by all means, take a chance on the Marsh Daisy. Yeah. Have you heard of Strong Animals Chicken Essentials? They make natural supplements for your flock. Strong Animals has used plant-based products and natural approaches to promote the health and vitality of backyard flocks. Their products contain organic essential oils, prebiotics, and other natural ingredients to support the immune system and digestive health. Give your chicks and chickens what they need to thrive with Strong Animals health products. Visit GetStrongAnimals.com today. Okay, so today for our main topic and for our retail therapy, we have a special guest for everybody. And you're going to really know what we're talking about. Yep. After we do We've this. been super excited about this interview. So we're going to the UK and we're talking with Libby Siddle. Hey, Libby, how are you doing? 
I'm great. Thank you so much for inviting me. We couldn't wait. We were like, oh my goodness, we have to talk to Libby. Libby is the owner of Henley's, which is a company that makes the most adorable coops. Oh, these chicken coops are to die for. And you also make some other hen products, which we'll get into. Yeah, definitely. So can you tell us a little bit about how you got started in the chicken business? Absolutely. We moved to the house we now live in, which is in a village in Somerset. So if anybody's heard of Glastonbury Festival, which is a pretty big music festival, we're yeah. just down the road from there. We bought some hens and had had our hens as, as our sort of as kind of a pet thing, you know, like everybody does and wanted to have our own eggs. We had young children at the time and I'm quite business minded. And what I knew is there's quite a few people who were looking for hens, but didn't know where to get them from. I met a guy who did the most amazing hens, but was awful at marketing. And so consequently, Ham Street Hens was born. So that was probably 13 years ago. So we wow. kind of went from selling, oh, I don't know, maybe a dozen hens, you know, every couple of weeks to I think we've done about 4,000 this year. So, uh, wow. But yeah. wow, that's so amazing. It, and then seven years ago, we had our daughter, Margot. So she's the fourth of uh, four children. Uh, she was wow. a surprise. Yeah, she <laughs> surprise. was a huge surprise. Yeah, yeah. I'm here. Surprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was definitely a shock. So we've got four children. Uh, Tom's 22, Ben's 19, Pippa's 17, and little Margot's seven. So nice. Yeah, big gap, big gap. (laughs) So yeah, when she came along, you know, it was time to have a bit of a redirection. So for me, then doing Ham Street Hens on a more full-time basis was was kind of what I did. And in fact, we've done it right up until September this year. So September we have closed, which seems like a bit of a counterintuitive thing to be doing, but Henley's is so busy and there's only so much Libby to go around. So it was the right Exactly. With Ham Street Hens, just to let our listeners know who aren't familiar with this, in the UK, it's quite common for people to buy their chickens as point-of-lay pullets. Exactly. Absolutely. It's very, very different to the US system. And it's kind of one of those things, isn't it? You kind of assume that that's just how everybody does it. Right. uh, Yeah. In the UK, buying hens at point-of-lay is very much the standard. So we also have a lot of rescue hens here in the UK. I don't know if that's a big thing in the US. It's starting Um, to be, the ex-battery hen. Thank goodness. that's, that's, That's pretty much how it goes. If you're wanting... Purebred hens, so I'm talking kind of bantams or the kind of pure breed stuff and the rare breed stuff. It's much more common to be buying fertile eggs or to be buying chicks or whatever. But but yeah, okay. generally for the hybrid stuff, point of play is kind of where it's at, which has lots of benefits, of course, because you have mm-hmm. hens that are ready to go. There's not all the waiting. There's not the kind of is it a boy, is it a girl thing. Right. Um, and of course, they do tend to be pretty vaccinated as well, So um, yes. which, which a lot of people like. Yeah. So what type of hens were you breeding well, in fact, we did used to breed birds and we used to be one of the biggest breeders of runner ducks in the whole of the South West oh, wow. of England at nice. one point, which was great fun. And they're so sketchy as birds. I just love it. You know, we kind of <laughs> reared their great, 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 great grandparents and they were still <laughs> just running around like crazy ducks. So that was really cool. We actually used another company for the rearing and we just did the selling and it's what we did best. You know, we were uh, okay. really kind of expert at just talking to people, finding out what it was that they were trying to achieve. For some people, it's, you know, actually, I want to stick these in the corner of my garden. I want to go and get six eggs a day. I don't want to talk to them. They're an animal. And for some people, it's, we want them to be a really integrated part of our family. We've got young children, you know, we want to range. And, and, you know, it was just kind of establishing what people want and kind of matching them to the right setup and the right birds. I love and, it. And, yeah, that's great. And we did it well. Yeah, it was good. But I mean, you can imagine, I don't know what the average flock size is in the US, but here, obviously, we have smaller gardens. Right. So probably, I'd say the average is less than six. So okay. if you think that people are buying four hens at a time and we sold 4,000 this year, that's a thousand customers. So that's a thousand that's a lots lot. of, of it's amazing. Yeah, it's a lot. That's it amazing. was great. I mean, we loved it. And, you know, I could talk to people about chickens literally all day. <laughs> so, Us too. Uh, perfect job. <laughs> <laughs> so Libby, do you keep chickens? And if so, what kind? Well, we've always had so many hens go through that we've kind of never really had pet ones. You kind of get the odd slightly broken ones sometimes, which is always a bit sad. And, and you know, we're really sentimental. So we all kind of uh, put them in an isolation coop and, and sort of nurture them. And then when we kind of feel that the time is right, we'll, we'll find them a new home. And, okay. Uh, 
people are always very generous to giving them new homes. Um, but because obviously with the number of hens we're doing, you know, you've always kind of got a few little wastes and strays hanging around. So we've never really had our own hens. So of course now we're not selling hens. It's given us the opportunity to actually have a flock of our own, which is really nice. exciting. So it's a bit of a mixed flock. Um, it really works quite well though. Um, so we've got a Brahma. A great big fluffy Brahma who I just love. So she's totally head of the flock. She's called Buffy. She's not very bright, but she's she's a big (laughs) she's a big bouncy girl, and I just love her so much. She's great. The kind of second in command is Millie. I love that name, Millie. I love she is, it. She's a real cutie. She's a, she's a peekin. She is completely the brains of the operation. And so uh, she just she amazing. cracks me up because uh, <laughs> the other day I'd, I'd kind of done the whole sunflower seeds thing. Um, I was taking some photos and some video of them and uh, she wanted some more and uh, she was sort of shouting at me and I was kind of ignoring her because I was doing the photos. So she... Uh, she sort of pecked me and then she jumped where the seeds were and was banging on the top of, of the of the canister. And I was just like, just no. You know, <laughs> That's great. what they do. <laughs> yeah. So she, she wasn't having any messing around. So and then there's three lace wine dots, all different colours. Nice. Ooh. So we have Coco, who's black and white. And then we have Sylvia, who's silver and white. And then we have Rusty, who's the kind of <laughs> that beautiful, really lovely mahogany um, with like the grey lacing on her. The the red lace. That's a blue laced red wine dot. And they're gorgeous. Yeah, yeah they're really they pretty. so beautiful. Don't tell them that she is the most beautiful one. <laughs> We won't um, say a word. Our lips are sealed. She, she might get really, the others will get really upset. And, <laughs> and then we have Gizmo. So Gizmo is a bit of an interesting one. She's, she's like, she's basically hairy. So she's kind of like a silky. She's not shaped like a silky. So she's obviously some weird little crossbreed. And, um, and she's not bottom of the flock in terms of being pecked. You'll just see her stood on her own and she's a bit like, I can't really remember what we're doing while we're here, you know. But, but, um, and, and she's just really, really funny. So she, she's, yeah, bless her. She needs a bit of help sometimes. And uh, But no, she's really gorgeous. So I love her. It sounds like you have an absolutely beautiful flock. Yeah. I mean, Brahmas are, are my absolute favorite. And the uh, Pekin, which we call Bantam Cochins. Yeah. One of Christy's favorites. Yeah. And the wine dots are just dropped in gorgeous. Yeah. That sounds like an amazing flock. Definitely. So we've gone from getting these chickens to the families where they need to be. Now we're changing into Henley's and the coop business. What inspired this move? Okay, so coronavirus, I think, changed a lot of things for a lot of people. You know, when we first started Hamstreet Hens, we were running it from the house. It was great. We were doing a few hundred hens a year um, and then several hundred hens a year. And then, it was, you know, and it was just going up and up and up. So we rented various little bits of land around the village. It was always just a bit of a nightmare. Where we live is quite, quite an expensive place to live. Lots of people have got pony paddocks and things like that. And all the bigger bits of land, you know, dairy farmers own. We've got a huge amount of dairy farms in the village. So just getting land is really hard. It's, it's not an easy thing to do. And when you're selling that number of hens and they're going in and out and in and out, really the best way of having it would be really just to have one big barn where you can keep them safe. Because we have foxes and badgers here in the UK which are our biggest predator issues. We have a fox that now my youngest daughter is named Karen, who comes every night that we have to give her treats so that she stays away from the chickens. We have plenty of foxes. And we don't have the badger problem that you do, but we have raccoons. Yeah. yeah. They oh, I, I've heard a lot about raccoons. They are yes. like so clever and so dexterous. They yes. just blow my mind. I think they're so, amazing. Yeah. Holly has the raccoon that she gets mad that's at her family's farm that washes his hands in the water buckets for the llamas. And I have Karen the fox who I have to give dog treats to every single day. Okay. Night. Yeah. <laughs> You have to ask the question, who's training who here? Really, yes. You, but, you, know. <laughs> you really exactly. do. Yes. So, yeah, so basically we kind of needed to borrow bits of land. Um, that was just always really tricky. Uh, we had a five-year lease on a piece of land. Very sadly, the person who owned it uh, became quite poorly. They decided to move away. The land got sold with the house. That was a couple of years ago. We temporarily closed Ham Street Hens. And in fact, we were actually closed during coronavirus. Thank God, really, because it was absolutely insane. I, I think yeah. in the US, it was the same as it was oh, here. Yeah. Really, really, really busy. But actually, what's really interesting is, of course, the whole click and collect model, which particularly here in the UK wasn't really a thing. People weren't really hugely okay with click and collect. We actually then were able to kind of relaunch Ham Street Hens on this click and collect model. And one of the things we wanted to do was to give that really kind of full service of actually being able to provide all the products that people wanted. 
And my huge bugbear was when people, you know, the feeders and the drinkers and the feed and all that shit was easy peasy. The tricky bit was always, which house do we get? I could never, ever work out because we have a company here in the UK called Flight So Fancy who do the most beautiful wooden coops. Wood is great, but obviously there's the maintenance. And if you get red white in it, it's really, really hard to get rid of. Right. Yeah. So there's that side of it. And then really, we we were kind of obviously erring on the plastic side of things because of maintenance from red white issues. And and I'm I, I love to promote red white. It's like it's my it's my little hobby topic. And uh, <laughs> don't get me started on red white. We'll never finish. But um, yeah, the, the, the plastic ones. You know, I just found some of them were really flimsy, and a lot of them were just super ugly. And it was just always the question I hated being asked. So consequently, for us to move forward. Being able to give people a complete system, there was no way that I could see that we could do it without actually designing a coop ourselves. So that's where it came from, really. It is the cutest coop I've ever seen. Yeah, it's so cute. So this coop is so amazing that it was profiled in Country Living UK. And we found it by chance because one of my sisters subscribes to the magazine. Thank goodness Marcy gets that magazine. And so, of course, we had to immediately reach out to you because, wow, these coops are like nothing we've seen before. So can you tell us a little bit more about what they're made of? Anything more about them that you can? Yeah, there's oh so much to say about them. So for us, it was an absolute no-brainer. We were going to use plastic as as our material of choice. And I'm not going to talk about brands here, but obviously there's certain brands where they use virgin polymer. And I was determined that we were going to go down the recycled plastic route. And there are a number of recycled plastic companies here in the UK. So it's something that we have a long history of doing here in the UK. But I knew that there was technology out there that we could be using the plastic differently. So the plastic's always just being cut and slotted together. And I just thought, what a shame, you know, it would be so lovely to have some really beautiful detail in there. And actually, as somebody who loves chickens, but also loves gardens, I wanted something in my garden that just looked really beautiful. And almost to the point, you almost want to get a coop and then you have to kind of get chickens to justify having bought the coop. You know, that's kind of where we were that, going. You laugh, the but that coop, that's the look it gives you. I mean, everyone has to do themselves a favor who's listening to us right now and look at your coops because instantly I'm in an English cottage garden right then and there when I look at that They're coop. so adorable. And I just want to be like sitting next to the coop holding <laughs> Hugging those chickens every day with that coop right there. In our show notes, we will have all of your contact information, your Instagram account, and we'll put at least a couple of photos and maybe some videos on our Instagram account to show off these coops. But the one thing I really like about them is that you can paint them different colors, which is amazing. Absolutely. if you choose to leave them black, you have this like Victorian Gothic look to this (laughs) coop. And you could leave it like that if that's a look you're after. You could, and you could take like a little wreath, like a splash of color with a wreath and just like hang it on the coop and stuff. <laughs> like I have all these ideas here, like what I would yeah. do. We need like it, five it, each. It has a really, really strong look to it and a really strong silhouette, I think. Yes. And, and there was a lot of inspiration there. So I'm really into kind of graphics. I'm really into architecture and things. And I'm obviously, I'm so lucky because I'm surrounded by actual buildings that have got these features. Okay, Mm -hmm. there's not many buildings that have got all the features. You know, for me to see that sort of really gothic art-shaped door with like huge big ironwork pieces on the front, I see that all the time. There's a lovely bit with the very sort of apex of the roof that's got that lovely zigzag pattern Mm -hmm. on. You know, we see that everywhere. We've got so many buildings here that are sort of hundreds of years old that they've got all these really cool elements. So on the roof panels, you obviously you'll have noticed it kind of looks like tiles, but actually also it's actually designed to look like feathers. So um, oh, amazing! Yeah, and when you think about it, you think, oh yeah, that's yeah, cool. yeah. It's I can kind of see it now. So I'm like drooling um, over here. I'm like, come on! I mean, this- one of the things we thought was really fascinating was the fact that the material can actually be cut. Tell us about this material that you're using. It's a really amazing material, actually. And this is actually the second material we looked at. So in a minute, I'll tell you about the first material we looked at, because that actually led on to a really interesting collaboration. But yeah, it's the second material that we decided to go with. It's incredibly heavy, and it's not a material that you guys really have in the States. It's called Stockboard. So, which is, it's a brand name. It's spelled S-T-O-K-B-O-R-D. So not how you think it would be spelled. 
It's made by a company up in Liverpool, which is where the Beatles are from. My husband's <laughs> a huge Liverpool soccer fan. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> yeah, it's made up in Liverpool and it's made from 100% recycled plastic. So here in the UK, if I was a farmer <laughs> and I had a lot of hay, then what would happen is that we would wrap the hay in black plastic and then it makes something called silage. Silage, right. Okay. So you guys know what silage is, which is obviously is then fed to the cows and it ferments. But of course, all that wrap then has to come off before it gets fed and it has to be kind of something has to happen with it. So basically they collect that up and actually there's quite a lot of post-consumer waste in there now as well. And it all just gets melted and pressed into this super, super hard sheet. It's quite surprising how heavy the coop is because the material is really thick. It's half an inch thick. So yeah. Oh yeah. It's really pretty solid actually. In terms of weight, I think it's 150 pounds in weight. Because you guys are all in pounds over in the States. Yeah. It's a solid piece of kit. Wow, that's fantastic. That is. We were looking at these thinking, okay, if we had these where we are in the mid-Atlantic part of the States, we deal with gale force winds because we do get hurricanes. So the weight of that coop would hold itself. The other thing is that even though we're in the mid-Atlantic, right smack in the middle of the country, our state, Maryland, is actually in the American South. We're right below the Mason-Dixon line that divides the country in half. And it gets hot as blazes here in the summer and cold in the wintertime. So we have yeah. these two extremes. So winter, we know that plastic coops insulate really, really well here. And plastic coops here do great in the winter. But in the summer, we might need to modify a coop. We look this up, stockboard can be cut. So if we had to modify a coop, this amazing material would make it so that you could safely and easily cut, say, a window in the coop and not mess up the coop itself. Not mess up the integrity. Absolutely. Right. We did speak to an American retailer, actually, about making sure that this coupe would fit really brilliantly in the US market. Mm-hmm. And there was loads and loads of things that came up. And actually, when we show you the coupe later, I can talk to you about some of the modifications that we made for the US market. But yeah, oh. one of them was the thing actually about having a more sort of mesh-based door. So it absolutely could be that that's one of the things that we provide, which is basically a sort of door that you could use for the summer which just has so much more ventilation through the door. So awesome. that it creates more of a chimney effect for you. Fantastic. You wow. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, we're coming over on a plane right now to see you and bringing these coops back on a plane with us. Right. Somehow. We desperately want to get our hands on these coops. They really are that fantastic. They are. So now that we're drilling over the coops, can you tell us a little bit about the other products that you are carrying? Yeah, so in the kind of the animal housing range, there's the chicken coop and then there's a duck coop. So the duck coop is kind of similar, in fact, very, very similar. With the chicken coop, of course, it's on legs. So actually, when you go to clean it out, it's all waist height. I'm so over being on my hands and knees in the dirt. I'm just not doing that anymore. So it's just really cool that you can just clean it out with just dustpan and brush all at waist height. It's really great. Duck coop, what we do know is that, as we know, ducks are not always so great with ramps. Some are great, but a lot aren't. And um, I think there's certain hen breeds as well, which don't always go pretty well. definitely. Mm -hmm. So we do a duck coop. It also has the perches in it because we know a lot of ducks like to perch. My my favorite ducks is Muscovy ducks. Do you have them? Yes. 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 Mm -hmm. With the really cool red caruncle on the face. So they're ducks that really have to perch. So it still has a perching capability, but it doesn't have a nest box because as we know, ducks don't tend to. How many roosts are inside the coop? There's three perches per coop, but there's five slots that they fit in. So actually you can move them around to fit the birds that you've got. So for instance, if you had four massive brahmas, then you might want to just have two in there and then swap them quite far apart. If you had nine bantams, then you'd put them sort of three equidistant apart. So yeah, there's a lot of variation on how you can sort of make it fit for you. You have thought of everything. And then I was going to ask, because I saw this when we were researching the nest box, you can use it as one large nest box or divide it. I think that's a fantastic idea because everybody wants to be in the same box. Right. So it would stop that idea if you could fit multiple chickens in one nest box. And you do that. I think that's brilliant. People always said to me, oh, Libby, should I get a chicken house with two nest boxes or four? And I said, well, it really doesn't matter because they're all going to want to use the same one. And they went, why Why would they do that? And I said, because, you know, someone's kind of basically denoted that as a really cool place, as a safe place to lay their eggs. As far as they're concerned, they're having a baby every day. This is, you know, this is their mentality. (laughs) You know, I'm having a baby. Let's have babies here. Yeah, let's do that. We'll do that. You know, everybody have a baby in this box. Come on. (laughs) So, yeah, the idea that they can have two in there at the same time just works great. 
That is fantastic. I'm so impressed. I with saw the that thought. when I looked that up. I loved that idea that it was one nest box. It's, yeah, it's I a remember. community nest box. It's a community box. nest box. <laughs> I mean, it you is. really, yeah. clearly you understand hens. I mean, this is a coop that was designed by someone who knows well, what chickens need. That's the best thing about this. It's designed by somebody who's been taking care of chickens for 13 years. Right. So you know what to put in there and what they need. Well, and, and I also know because, you know, people... With, with our chickens, you know, we've always been very much, if ever you have a problem, you can always ring. We're open until 10 p.m. every night, uh, seven days a week. So, you know, if anyone ever had a problem, I say, please don't sit there worrying. I'd much rather you rang, we had a five-minute call, and then you move on with your life. Exactly. <laughs> because I always feel like there's sometimes, I don't know, with dogs, lots of people have got dogs and stuff, and with vets and things, it's a bit difficult because veterinarians don't always specialize in individual chickens. Sometimes they're great on flock health, but not individual hens. So sometimes they feel like they have nowhere to go. And I said, no, I want you to feel like that. I want you to feel like you can always just call. So we've always had kind of this constant stream of people bringing with all sorts of issues. Um, so we kind of knew what happened as an ongoing thing for people. And we were really keen to address that. So one of the things about the normal coop, which probably you might not yet have spotted because it's something that we've added quite recently, is that actually we sell the main chicken coop with an extra set, if you want them, of short legs. I so saw that. It's cool, yes. isn't it? I'm all up on it because, you know, I am looking at your website and I'm like, man, man, man. <laughs> so you have the short legs for when you have pullet size or bantams and then you can well, switch it back. It was more the American market where actually, you know, having ducklings or chicks posted and, and you know, rearing them. So basically, yeah, when, when you're at that, either you've got a broody hen or you've got chicks or ducklings, you can then use it with the short legs without the ramp, but still with the nest box and the perches uh, and just getting your babies used to the coop and everything. And then when they're a bit older, you can put the tall legs on and the ramp on. It's almost like a travel system. You know how it kind of grows with your kid? It's, yeah, yeah. it's basically chicken coop that grows with your hens. Holly Ann Libby has thought of everything. I know. It's absolutely fantastic. It's, we love it. You're thinking of how these chickens are acting like, hey, we need a community nest box instead of everybody trying to cram into one small one. It's awesome. Uh, one of my favorite details about the chicken coops and the duck houses are that there are little finials. Oh my God. On the end of the roof, chickens or ducks. And it's the cutest thing ever. Because <laughs> we do a dog kennel as well. And the dog kennel's got like a little Labrador on each end. <laughs> it's beyond cute. We talk about this all the time. The chicken lady lifestyle. And it is a true, real deal thing. And it doesn't matter if you're in the UK, in the US, it crosses the pond. We want to be cool and take care of chickens. And those little details just make you happy. Yes. It's just, it just makes you happy. This awesome coop with the little chicken fit. It's just, oh yeah. my God. Yeah. Love it. I, do you know what? I think for me, a lot of the motivation, I really love, do, do you guys know the Hansel and Gretel fairy tale yes. story? Yeah. yeah. <gasps> right. Okay. Basically, I just wanted to live in the gingerbread house just so I could eat it because I just it really like, it. It looks like a gingerbread house. It does. Perfect. And, I love and, that. You know, I, I think we all grew up with those fairy tales. And, you know, actually, while we could probably agree that from a point of view of women's liberation, probably wasn't really all that. And uh, right. yeah. certainly it's probably slightly different to how we bring our kids up now. But, you know, none of us got to marry princes in the end. But, you know, we've survived. You know, God damn it, I'm going to have my little castle. And it, to me, you know, it's, uh, it I never got a turret, but, but it's the closest thing I'm ever going to get. So, yeah. It's the, yes. the queen chicken lady's princess's castle. We're just babbling about how much we love this, but we really love this. Coop. Yeah. Like you can tell when we love something. I mean, we love it. We're like, we're on the <laughs> phone. Like, oh my God. Oh my God. You have like, to you've see got this. to see this. She sends me a screenshot of the page and I'm like, bring that with you. Next time you <laughs> I need to see that close up. So now that we've probably bored everyone with how much we love this coop, <laughs> but all of you, all of you listening, go look at these coops. We'll see why we're so wound up about them. Oh yeah. So the other amazing thing that you have, Libby, is hen health tonics, which look fantastic. Can you tell us a little more about them? I would love to take credit for these, but they were not my invention. So okay. the supplier that we had for the hens is a guy called Matt Taylor, and a really, really incredible guy, really brilliant businessman. And he is just disgustingly young, uh, but he has <laughs> achieved so much in his, his very few years on this planet. And he's amazing at reversing trailers. For me, that's, you know, that kind of, you know, if you can reverse a trailer, then, you know, you're a god in my opinion. So, <laughs> um, yeah, he's, he's a super guy. So he not only rears hundreds of thousands of chickens a year to supply companies like ours, but he also sells hens to customers. And he also does things like tonics and all sorts of bits and pieces. So the tonics are from a company that he found. And what we love about the tonics is that they are all in-water products. 
So I don't know if you found a lot of supplements, kind of things that you have to kind of mix with the feed and sometimes you have to mix them with oil and mix them with the feed. And and there's just lots of different ways. And and I just find it's really hard to establish that whether your chickens have had a full dose or not. Whereas with these, it's just much more straightforward. Yeah. 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 Anything that goes in the flux water is simple and and easy for all of our UK listeners, because it's hard to find these types of things, which we're finding out in the UK. Mm-hmm. When we speak to Fiona from the Fluth Lady, and she's in the UK also, and she tells us it's hard to find this stuff. So this is breakthrough for UK chicken keepers. Yeah. Look this stuff up. It's natural. It's organic. We're working with a company here in the United States, Strong Animals Chicken Essentials, and it is also very water-based And it's a lot of things that are similar to these tonics. And really, they're fantastic. So there's one for eggshell strength. Did I see that right? Yeah. So the main function of this one is calcium and the vitamin D3. So as we all know, they all need the calcium. But actually, without the vitamin D3, they can't always absorb it. So that's super important. Yeah. Right. Yes. And there was one for respiratory. We really looked into them and they're wonderful. They're impressive. They're They're really, really impressive. Well thought out. Mm -hmm. Now, here's one product, Slipper product that I loved on there. What? The dustpan and the broom. It was cool. They are fair. I need that in my life because it's like a bigger dustpan with a longer handle. Mm -hmm. I use the little chicken dustpan. They look very refined. I want to be out there with that dustpan. Using this pretty tool to clean your coop. Yeah. It would help me. To be honest, this is the house where appliances and stuff come to die, you know. (laughs) (laughs) We're a big family, we're big people, and we're not not massively careful, I've got to be honest. So for us, kind of cheap plastic stuff doesn't doesn't ever really cut it. So yeah. It's always breaking. Yeah. yeah, Wanted something just kind of really solid that was gonna do it. And actually what's great is that I find that it just works ergonomically really nicely with our coop. Your prices are so reasonable also. Yeah. Yeah. In looking over your website, it's easy to navigate. It's Mm -hmm. easy to see everything and what you like. You know, I'm looking at everything. I'm like, man, we need this in the US. I know. I would be all over so many of those things. I don't know. I would be spending a ton of money on your website. That I do now. (laughs) (laughs) So of all of the products that you're offering with Henleys, what is your absolute favorite? Oh, it's just so hard. I think... In terms of kind of chicken entertainment, I'd have to go for like different, you know, different okay. categories. Obviously, from the for animal housing point of view, I'm always going to go to chicken coop because it was my baby. It was the first mm-hmm. one. And I'm super proud of it. We've made loads of amendments. You should be so proud. we always pay attention of the feedback we get. And, you know, and actually sometimes you look at the feedback and, and just go, oh, okay. Uh, and then sometimes you... You look at the feedback and go, yeah, no, I can really see they've got a point there and, and mm-hmm. we can change it. And that's the beauty of it. We get stuff made locally. You know, I literally kind of sit in Neil's office and uh, Neil, Neil's an interesting character. If you try and talk to him and you haven't bought any little Cornish pasties for him to eat, then to be honest, you're getting nowhere. So there's a bit of bribery that goes on and uh, and I'll go, Neil, I've had an email. Could we change this? And and he's like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. And, and you know, so he does it. <laughs> and it's great. So basically, literally from that coup onwards, it's changed. I think in terms of kind of chicken treats, because let's face it, we we all love giving our babies treats. Um, I really, really love the poultry treat mix. This is quite a new product for us, actually, and we was really excited to find it. There's a company here in the UK that puts it together for us. And I don't know in the States. So here we, we feed layers pellets. And then the idea is they have like a very, very small amount of treat maybe in the afternoon. Yes, mm-hmm. it's exactly um, what we do. Okay. Do you have mixed corn in the States? It's packaged as scratch grain it's here, scratch, but that's essentially what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, we have this product and basically because they both come in 20 kilo sacks, I think people just get a little bit confused perhaps how they're meant to use it. So we find lots of people put kind of half layers pellets mixed with half mixed corn, but which is basically like 95% wheat, 5% corn. Yeah. And then of course, what happens is the chickens don't eat the layers pellets because actually the other stuff is probably slightly more exciting. And then consequently they just get fat and they don't lay. So for me, it's really lovely when you have a really good quality layers pellet that just gives them everything that they need. And then in the evening or like three o'clock in the afternoon, just like a little a cup of something, but something really, really yummy. And I just, for mm-hmm. me, that's brilliant because it's got corn in it, which is just obviously great for egg color. And they just love eating it. It's got sunflower seeds with loads of beneficial vitamins and minerals and things in it. It's got little bits of nuts and oats and just lots of really, really good, proper ingredients in it. So, um, and I, you know, a, a one kilo bag, you know, if you're doing an egg cup a day for three hens, it's just going to last you for ages. So yeah. that would probably be my favorite kind of poultry treat. What else would I choose? I think the galvanized feeders and drinkers 
are mm. just so iconic looking, so simple, so beautiful, and they just last forever. That's mm. what I use also. Yeah. Yeah, I just think they're fantastic. The plastic ones, you know, I just find with any plastic ones, the ones we do, which are course the bioplastic, which are great because it's a plant-based plastic, you know, the weather just kills them and then they break <laughs> and then you've got to replace them. And yeah, the galvanized ones, you know, you have to be trying to, to trying to demolish that yes. damaged one. They're so solid. Okay, so we ask everybody so, this question. It's unfair, 1,000% unfair. And we do but, it anyway. But we do it anyway. <laughs> so which is your favorite breed of chicken and why? This is the worst question of all right? the questions on the list. <laughs> so basically, I'm, I'm going to slightly cheat, okay? So I'm going to pick, so of the three categories, so I'm going to go large fowl pure breed, okay. phantom pure breed, and hybrid. So large fowl pure breed would be a well summer. Oh, <gasps> that's my breed. They are so beautiful. I mean, the plumage on those birds is just absolutely incredible. Gorgeous. Super dark egg. They've just got it all going on. They're smart. They're smart. They're very smart. Mm -hmm. Incredible. I just love, just love, love, love to look at them. Love the eggs. It's just all amazing. For the bantam, it's got to be peaking bantam every time. (laughs) They They are are so sassy. I love it. I just kind of love animals with a lot of personality and they just come with buckets of personality. They do. They're just funny. They're clever. They're just so (laughs) cute on their little fluffy bums and their little legs. We had two a little while ago, and this was a, a video. In fact, we put a little video of this on the Ham Street Hen site quite a long time ago. And basically, if I shook some flower seeds, then they'd come running. But one of them was in the shed, and obviously you couldn't hear it. So, like, one of them said in chicken to the other one, the lead ladies here with the seeds, you need to come. And, and <laughs> so she comes shooting out the shed, and then you just can both see them just running down the garden in that little wobbly way. You better get doing. out there. You're going to miss it. They're yeah, one of the funniest breeds the way they run. I, they're just, they're, they're the best. Just awesome, aren't they? And then I think in terms of hybrid, I would probably go Roadrock, actually. I think, uh-huh. um, so I don't know if Roadrock is, is a, maybe you call them a black Tell us rock. about a Roadrock. Like, no, I don't think okay. we have, we have, you can occasionally find the road bars here, but not the Roadrock. Okay, so tell us about it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so it's pretty much all black. It's got that really amazing green and blue iridescence in the feather, which I just love. I just think that's really, really stunning. It's got a really amazing bronze collar. Ooh. And Quite often you'll see bronze veining in some of the feathers as well. So there's a lot of variation. Unfortunately, the, the breeding this year, there seems to be that there was hardly any bronze collar, which was a bit of a shame. But then they lay heaps of eggs. They're super, super friendly, super clever. You know, they're not kind of like all over, you know, like the brown hens are, you know, who are just like basically just want to be you and just consume you. <laughs> so they're not quite as friendly as that. They have some boundaries. But yeah, I think they're just such a brilliant all-round bird. Okay, so we have to ask this question because we've kind of been asking it all along, but (laughs) it's our question of the day. When (laughs) are you going to be in the U.S.? This is the million dollar question. We have to say had no idea that they were going to be as popular in the U.S. as they have been. It's just been incredible. We were very lucky to be found by Arthur Parkinson, who's a U.K. celebrity. He's a celebrity gardener. And uh, he's put a lot of stuff out there. So he's been really nice. fantastic. Now, what's been really great is that because, of course, once once you get one celebrity, you kind of get another one. So um, obviously, you guys would know who Jonathan Van Ness is from Queer Eye. Yes. 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 So <laughs> Jonathan's husband, Mark, who's a lovely guy. He's a Brit um, living out in Austin, Texas with Jonathan. They have chickens and they love the coops too. So we're wow. on the same page here. Yes. We have tons and tons of listeners in Texas. We're not surprised at all that there's been so much interest because these coops are just amazing. It's nothing like we've seen over here. And it's something that it's engulfing this whole chicken lady life right now. No matter you know? how you set up your coop and run situation, you know, you want it to be side-pleasing plants and flowers and in the middle of your garden and looking just amazing plus be great in the weather yes be strong very functional and amazing and here's the other thing we're recycling you're recycling doing oh yeah yeah Yeah. so i mean do you guys have like the two liter milk cartons in the u.s the plastic ones yeah so yes so if you imagine 1500 of those that's how much waste plastic goes into one coop it's amazing Every time it. one of you guys buys a coop, that's kind of the equivalent of 1,500 of those not ending up in landfill, but actually ending up in a, in a product it. that's being reused. 
everywhere you look at this coop, you can't go wrong. There's no doubt. It, it ticks a lot of boxes. It ticks a lot of boxes. It so does. yeah, so yeah, no, back to the question of, of the US thing. There's various options that we have at the moment. So we're just kind of trying to make some final decisions because of course the people who will be buying the chicken and duck ones, it's a different kind of demographic perhaps for the dog kennels. Mm-hmm. So we are looking at it. The plan very much is to have a supply of these in the US for the spring. Oh, yeah. March uh, here in the UK is a huge month for chicken coop buying. It's huge here. It's enormous. So we really, really want to have them ready to go over there. But this is a big shout out to, to all the listeners and to ask you two as well. So we've kind of looked at price points. You know, I was very lucky that I managed to talk to Mark, Jonathan's husband, talk to him about price points as well. And just kind of looking at trying to make it affordable for people. But also right. at the end of the day, we need to make a little bit too. So we're thinking, dun, 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 going to be about $950 for the chicken coop. Here's the thing I like about this. Not everyone can build. Okay. Yeah. I can't build. I'm not a builder. I can build, but I'd rather put together a coop that looks like this. Now, Holly Ann and I, <laughs> we do have very strong built coops, but they're built by the Amish over here. And we had to pay a lot of money for those yeah. coops. I can put together a coop that is high quality, that I'm going to feel good about for the planet, that yes. I'm going to feel good about sitting there with a glass of iced tea or coffee and looking at my chickens, taking pictures, showing it off on social media. This product checks all the boxes because somebody who can't build a wood coop, you can put together this coop. If you can do Lego, and, and let's face it, we've all had our Duplo moments. You know, we've, we've, <laughs> we've all been there. Yes. <laughs> we've oh, all yeah. done that. If you can follow a sheet to make a little thing for your kids out of Lego, you can do this. There's no screwdrivers. It's really helpful if you've got a hammer just to get those bolts in just really tight. But actually, so we know some people don't have hammers, so you could just use a pebble or a rolling pin. What choices some people have in the U.S. right now, if you can't build your own or buy something that's very expensively built by somebody who knows what they're doing, you're kind of at a loss. It's very limited. So I like this because this does check off the box for the person. $900 is not too much to spend on a coop at all. It's right where you're going to want to spend it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a sweet spot. And I love that you can paint them yourself and that means you can customize them. So you could do all kinds of fancy things. I do have one question. The one that you put up there that has all the different colors, does that come mm. that way or do you send the paint with it? So it's kind of like the model T Ford, any color as long as it's black. So uh, it comes black. <laughs> so if you want green or you want pink or you want purple and blue, I mean, the, the paint company that we use, they are just the sweetest people, Ben and Caroline, and they make brilliant paint and it's ecological paint. It's really fantastic. And my God, does it stick to the coop? It is brilliant. Wow. So we just provide the paint as well. Now, I'll be completely honest, importing paint to the States might be a bit tricky. So we might be looking at some other different paint options. But yeah, with, with the multi colored one it was one of those things where we just kind of got newspaper we laid it out on the tables and just kind of threw paint at it and it did look incredible it that was, was my fate I kept saying Holly yes. that's me I need that coop I need to do it and I said does it come that way because I'm that person I, that's like does it come that way I told her like, it didn't and she wouldn't believe me she refused to believe me <laughs> I was like okay I can do that I can do it looking at your coops makes us happy you are such a delight. Absolutely. You've been oh, such a delight you. to have with us. And we always say we love making friends with everyone around the world. Doing this for the last year, we have got to meet we've so, met so many awesome people. people. And we've really built some amazing friendships and relationships with people in the UK. Yes. I think that the US and the UK have love of chickens in common. And yes. it's pretty wonderful. Absolutely. Yeah. And in many respects, you guys are way ahead of us in you know, the whole thing of chicken keeping sort of as a hobby and as a fairly mainstream hobby. What's really interesting is that we are seeing retailers who would never have had things to, you know, they always did dog food and they did cat food, but they would, you know, maybe you'd get a bag of rabbit food, but but now we're doing sort of chicken stuff and chicken accessories. It's just showing how mainstream it's becoming. And I think it's yes. marvelous. What I love about it is the fact that I think kids get so much out of it. I'm 43 years old. I've been doing this a long time. I never, ever, ever get sick of finding an egg. I'm like, oh, every time. It's just so every time. I love it. One thing that we want to do also, which we're trying to do, is put the chicken out there as a companion, not yes. just oh my gosh. a yes. farm animal that's going to lay an egg. These chickens give you so much love, and we say it so much. And that's why we say hug your chicken every day, the ones that want to be hugged. Right. <laughs> and they are companions. They love us like we love them. And just mainstreaming that, it's amazing. Right. 
birds are incredible. And what's really interesting is I think, you know, people's kind of views on vegetarianism and all these sorts of things and people thinking, oh, I don't want to eat mammals. And, but, you know, birds are just so bright and so intelligent and so trainable. And my God, do they train me? You know, it gets to two o'clock and, and they're starting to gather on the patio going, you know, seriously, lady, it's kind of, it's street time, get on with it, you know. Exactly. Uh, they, I swear, I swear they can read, read, read the clock, but um, yeah, they, they are just, just incredible, incredible animals. Okay, Libby, it's been amazing. Such a delight to talk to you, to meet you. I always say in person because Zoom kind of feels like in person now. Oh, it's, it's as close as we're going to get. We've said it 20,000 times, but we love these coops. You can't go wrong with these and you have to look this up. Follow Henleys on Instagram, yes. on social media. Oh my God, you're going to be just like us and, and die for once these Once we get a US launch for these, we're going to have you back. We'll have you back. What would be really, really useful for us actually is if we could get people to go to the website. So the website is henlays.com. And if they could sign up for the newsletter would be great because obviously they will absolutely make sure that if there's anything happening in the States that people get to find out straight away. But it would be really, really cool for us to know where people are based in the States and which products they might be interested. We are really fundamentally looking at the chicken coop, the duck coop, the dog kennel, the short legs if they want them for the large coop. And you check off the Mid-Atlantic Maryland right now on your list. (laughs) (laughs) let's be realistic the whole east coast i have links to libby's website in our show notes i have the email for henley's in our show notes go on there take a look at all of these amazing things and email libby and let her know where you are and what you want please and show this chicken lady in the uk some love absolutely follows so thank you again we'll talk to you later libby thanks girl take care Bye. bye bye Okay, so now it's time for cracking the eggs. Cracking those eggs. Go ahead. In the interest of full disclosure, we did say we were going to do scotch eggs. We still are. I almost lost my mind. I was just frustrated with the amount of stuff that went into it. Yeah. Scotch eggs are essentially a hard-boiled egg wrapped in sausage and deep fried. Yeah. Which was okay. And I was doing a gluten and dairy-free version of it. And I had had all the stuff that was fine. It was just too many steps for me this week. I just could not do it. And so we thought about it. We thought about it. We're like, okay, do we put this in the oven and oven fry it at 450? But it might take the integrity of it away a little bit by doing it. I mean, yeah, I'm sure there are probably oven fried versions of it. Yeah, I'm I'm sure. Threw my hands up in the air and we decided to completely deconstruct the scotch egg and we made like stacked appetizers instead. Yeah. So, and I will say they're delicious. Yeah. So basically, we're like, okay, this recipe is not working for us. So let's redo it even more and deconstruct it. Yeah. And what did me in was, okay, you've got the egg wrapped in the sausage and then you roll it in flour and then you dip it in egg and then you roll it in breadcrumbs and then you deep fry it. I just couldn't. So I'm sorry. (laughs) I just couldn't. And there are plenty of good recipes for scotch eggs on the internet so you can find them. Yeah. So we did the deconstructed. So essentially these are appetizers and they would be great with cocktails or beer. Mm -hmm. You know, they'd be great before Thanksgiving dinner here in the U.S. And you could even use sweet potato rounds or cornbread in place of the bread or cracker. Exactly. If you're gluten free. Exactly. So this is really a quicker, easier and frankly, lower calorie version of a scotch egg. Yep. And you get most of the same taste. Yes. So we just made these quick and easy to put together, and we did test a gluten and dairy-free version, and it is delicious. You need three elements. You need your base, you need your sausage, you need your hard-boiled egg. And the base can be a savory cracker. It could be a round of toasted bread, as we say, cornbread. You can even do polenta. You could, if you didn't worry about gluten-free. You could even take, like, seasoned croutons and crush them up. I thought about croutons, yeah. Yeah, and use those, too. Whatever you buy, you want it to be mostly round and like the size of a U.S. 50-cent piece. Yes. You could probably go as small as a quarter, but I think you want it more like a 50-cent piece. I agree. If you want cornbread, we recommend you bake it in a big shallow baking pan Mm -hmm. because when you're trying to cut it out, if it's really thick, cornbread will crumble everywhere. It crumbles everywhere. So you want to hard-boil some eggs. I hard-boiled about eight to make two dozen appetizers. Exactly. So you're going to slice each egg into three or four rounds. Mm -hmm. And you won't use those tops. You can Mm -hmm. put them aside. You can make them into egg salad. You can feed them to your chickens. Exactly. Whatever. Or those are my favorite part of the hard-boiled your Stick them in your mouth while you're cooking. (laughs) A little salt and pepper. There we go. You got a snack. Sip of rosé. I mean, yeah. (laughs) 
So you can use your choice of sausage and you can either form it into mini patties or you can use links and slice them into rounds. I used Beyond Sausage and formed it into mini patties because that's what I bought to make this scotch eggs. Exactly. The next time I make this, I will use veggie sausage links and just slice them into rounds. Exactly. Start with your base. You can add a dollop of mustard, mayonnaise, or dill, whatever you want in there. You're just going to put a little dollop of something to stick the bits together. Exactly. You're going to put your sausage round next. Then you're going to put an egg round, a pinch of whatever seasoning you'd like. We did a sprinkle of dill, mm-hmm. and it was delicious. And that's it. It's yeah. that easy. If your base is softer, you can put a toothpick through it to keep it together. Exactly. It's great for a happy hour. It's great just to put out as a little after-school snack. Mm-hmm. Anything like this, like we said, we took a really, really time-consuming recipe and kind of broke it down and said, how would we want these? And appetizers are great. And this really is not a recipe. If you have to do the gluten and dairy-free, it's still really good. Yeah. It's not like the booby prize. No, you can use a lot of different things. There are a lot of options for gluten-free breads and crackers on the market. Yeah, You can try all those different things. I'm hungry. (laughs) We need to eat them. (laughs) So should we tell everybody what we're going to be talking about next week? Next week, we're actually profiling another UK chicken. Okay. The Scots Grey. Oh, yes. We're having our monthly roundtable with the wonderful Fiona. Fiona! We are going to talk about all of the fall tasks you want to complete with your coops, your runs, everything. And there are a lot of them. Cracking the Eggs is your pumpkin bread recipe. Oh, it's one of my favorites. Mm Mm-hmm. And Retail Therapy, we are reviewing our favorite coop heaters. Yay! That's right. We said it. Coop heaters. Yes, we said it. We use them. Okay, so what should we tell everybody to do? Hug your chicken. Every day and kiss them too. Don't forget. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. If you'd like to see more of us, please follow us on Instagram at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you'd like to help us grow the podcast, please leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, please visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Thanks for listening.